In the city of New York, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers and the police who investigate their tunnels. These are their stories. Hello and welcome to Jump Cuts, a podcast about movies. My name is Charlie and I am joined as always by my co-host Will. Hello. And Park. Hello. This week we watched Chud, a movie. Uh... And, you know, I don't really know what else I can say about it until we get it, you know, get it set up a little here. So, uh, Will is going to give us a little synopsis. Will, you want to take it away? Uh, sure. Chud is about uh, a series of mysterious disappearances taking place in 1980s New York City and the people investigating those disappearances. Once they do a little digging, do they discover that the homeless population of New York has been uh, turned into chuds, uh, also known as uh, cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers, through a uh, radiation dump placed there by the EPA. They're dumping radioactive waste underneath New York City, and our characters have to deal with that. Um, That's the movie. Thanks for listening to Trump Cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have quite the colorful cast of characters here who are for some reason all from various Christmas movies. I know I was very thrown off by the presence of the dad from Home Alone and also Marv from Home Alone. We I guess we could start with our first two characters. I don't know. Like uh I think so. Our, I, think our, I, I wanted like I first thought he would be the main character but i think that's kind of debatable uh george of george our photographer uh and his girlfriend lauren mm-hmm. um so like george is like a, a professional photographer he does a lot of like uh like modeling photography like fashion photography type stuff but he's since tried to do something more artistic with his work and is doing a photo series on new york city's homeless population right Mm-hmm. So he's like one of the first to notice that some people are going missing amongst like the homeless population, right? Right. And, and he's, his... in particular, he's been doing the series on the the undergrounders, as the movie calls them, right? The people that live in the uh, the subway system and mm-hmm. the tunnels that apparently connect all of underground New York because it's actually King's Landing or something. I don't know. Yeah, they they describe it almost in a way that these tunnels run across the entire city like i think in the description of the movie they specifically say that these tunnels connect to every other underground tunnel in the entire city of new york which is <laughs> yeah i mean wild literally <laughs> like we we have evidence of this in the movie of you know that george and lauren's apartment right one of the early scenes there is lauren going into the basement and there's just like a it's like a trap door in the basement and you can hear a chud growling underneath it it's like and also we know that the, you know they're in the sewers they're in the subway somehow the sewers and subway are connected to the crawl space under their new york brickstone apartment building it doesn't really make any sense <laughs> it's like i feel like it's only like a bit of a stretch on reality though right because like so just like because of the way new york city is like laid out and how like comparatively old it is with like other american cities that there's a lot of like layers of infrastructure going mm-hmm. on right and because you have to cram uh like so much uh you know like electricity you know sewage lines and on, on top of like uh like a subway system that like I, from what i understand like there actually is like a pretty robust system of like tunnels that might not be as connected as they are in this movie but like if you were to I saw something about it watching some video making fun of Elon Musk's, like, Hyperloop idea. (laughs) This is a tangent, but, like, how, like, because, like, Elon Musk wants to do, like, his weird, like, individual, like, car subway thing, which, like, and the person was, like, describing how you would go through, like, New York City with it, right? And how, Mm -hmm. like, incredibly difficult it is to dig even like a regular subway line in new york city that you know it, it, it can cost like 
millions per block that you're making because you have to go through so much infrastructure yeah mm-hmm. all of new york's utilities are underground so that does make sense but they're also they're like they're underground in small very narrow enclosed like mm-hmm. channels basically yeah and it it is i mean as much as i was just like criticizing the you know strangeness of this interconnected tunnel system it is something i can suspend my disbelief for and the way the movie does it it I'm going to bring this up a few times and we'll go into it in more detail later when we get to some of these scenes, but it's so close to actually being a good, creepy, not necessarily horror movie, but like thriller. And it, mm-hmm. it there's, a, there's a lot of scenes where it just like kind of misses the mark and messes up the whole tone, but the tunnel system mm-hmm. that they have set up is very close to being a good thriller set piece, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, they I, do I a totally good job agree, yeah. making it claustrophobic and feel tight in a lot of the scenes, but there it does get kind of ruined by like poor, you know, let me say it, jump cuts throughout the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Episode he said four, that they... we did it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do think like the uh, like the set design of this movie is like maybe some of the strongest. Uh, parts of it right just like the kind of the atmosphere that they set uh is overall like really well done it's just there are some occasional missteps uh possibly because uh and i looked up more about uh this movie and uh the director of this movie is actually like an editor by trade that's like his he has on imdb like three directorial credits and like 20 editorial credits right Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's primarily an editor, uh, which is weird because this movie isn't the best edited thing I've seen either. But yeah. uh, I feel like that can maybe help explain why some of the like some of the direction choices are either like it's a pretty much like Roadhouse. A lot of the direction feels pretty like utilitarian. You know, it's like we'll show you what's happening, and like we're not going to do too much else with the camera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it like a lot of the strengths of the movie come from like the sets that they're working with, I feel like, and just kind of the atmosphere that they've built through like the way the environment looks. Agreed. And we get into that more later with our other two kind of main characters, right? Which are the, uh, the cop who's what Bosch, what is the cop's name? Bosch. That's right. And then Marv from home alone. I, they, they say his name, I think it's like AJ or something, but I'm going to be honest, I just thought of him as Marv from Home Alone it, the whole time, and I'm going to continue to call him that, so I apologize. Yeah, I think he's referred to as both AJ and the Reverend throughout the movie a little mm-hmm. bit, but mm-hmm. I, I know throughout, I think all three of our notes, all we did was call him Marv. Yeah, he's Marv. <laughs> he's forever Marv. <laughs> it just, you know, I don't know. It's like Rain Wilson and Dwight, right? Like, I... Some, some people, you just look at them and you see this incredible character that was written for them and that they put so much life into. And for this actor whose name I don't know, it's Marv from Home Alone, right? Absolutely. Which is weird because, like, like you, you can tell how much of a presence he had as Marv <laughs> because, like, I'm not calling, uh, like, so the Lee or the George, the photographer in this movie, is, like, the, the dad from Home Alone. Uh, John Hurd is, like, the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't even notice that at first. It took me a while to realize who he was. Um, so, and it, it is funny that like they have this, like you know, before Home Alone ever came out, they were in Chud together. Oh, yeah, it's a strange shared credit from ten years earlier for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The um, so what other character? You mentioned the cop Bosch. Uh, he actually his like interest in what's going on beyond being. Uh, a cop where like everyone's disappearing in uh his like jurisdiction uh his uh, wife has gone missing we actually see her get taken by a chud at the very beginning of the movie right Mm -hmm. it's very strange how they do this too because it's set up like it's supposed to be a plot twist because we don't find out that was his wife until like halfway through the movie Mm -hmm. uh and I'm just, I, I don't know. I don't know if I understand that decision and how they wrote this. <laughs> because I, I feel like I would be more sympathetic and invested in his character if I knew that he had a personal stake in all of this and that it was his wife that was missing. But instead, they're just like, 
uh, this is a cop who was investigating because he was a cop. It was a strange choice. Yeah, and can we talk about the like the very opening scene of the movie of his wife being taken before we even know it's his wife? We just see this somewhat well-off looking woman with her designer dog walking down a the middle of the street in New York, not even the sidewalk, Old and strategy. B walking alone down a pretty rough looking street in New York when Bosch even says in the movie the rate of crime is not going down in this city, if you've noticed. So he let his wife walk alone at night down a rough street in New York City. Yeah. Although, and I looked this up because I was curious. Um, so the murder rate in New York City was actually going down at this time. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, um, like, and it, it was over the course of the 80s, it did go up, but... Weirdly enough, this movie came out at, like, a dip in, at, le- huh. at least the murder rate. I couldn't find, like, total violent crime stats, or because mm-hmm. I didn't look that hard. But um, for just, like, the murder rate, actually, at the start of the 80s up until around 85, it was on a downswing. And then it went back up from, like, 85 up into, up in, into the 90s. Yeah, well, like, in, in general, like, New York City in the 80s was, like, a much more dangerous place than it is now, you know? Yeah. It was, like... Just, uh, and, and they make it look just terrible in this movie. <laughs> just the worst place to live. It's an extremely <laughs> grimy movie. Yeah. And that, again, it's the, the set design is, like, the strong component here, right? It's, like, they, they do a good job of giving the streets this vibe of, like, this is more, you know, not necessarily strictly dangerous, but they're... It feels like the city is like rotting. You know? Yeah, there, there. It's it's falling apart, right? Like there's something rotten at the core, mm-hmm. which I mean is literally what the what ends up being the case later on. But yeah, they don't really ever show like the bustling New York City streets that you see in other movies. Like it's only it's mm-hmm. like primarily this kind of back, like almost alleyway style street that you see that's you know got like a pretty large population of homeless and uh, homeless people. And then the, the street itself is just like filthy the entire time. Speaking of uh, the homeless population, uh, Marv's actual character, like Rev is uh, he runs like a soup kitchen, right? Of yes. uh, kind of serving and like sheltering all of the homeless people in his area, like in the neighborhood uh, he's another person who's noticed a lot of uh, homeless people going missing. And, like, with the tone of the movie sort of being, uh, feeling so, like, rotten and gross, uh, I was really expecting the movie to be, like, cr- more cruel to, like, homeless people as a concept, you know? Like, mm-hmm. this movie could have very easily gone in the direction of, like, oh, like, homeless people are bad and are turning into monsters, you know, uh, but it actually was a lot more kind of sympathetic and humanizing than I expected. And it's not like, you know, it's not like bleeding heart or anything, right? Like, you know, there's no like homeless characters that are taking a leading leading role here, right? Mm-hmm. But it was like a lot more respectful than a movie called you'd ex- then you'd expect from the movie called chud yes <laughs> for sure yeah it actually it does seem to take an interesting stance of like society has abandoned these people and the you know the chud development is kind of the <laughs> it's it's the hollywood adaptation of that obviously of like they're you know literally being turned into monsters by the negligence of the government in our sewers and now they're going to eat you but that very much could have been portrayed as like homeless people are evil and they are turning into cannibals because they have abandoned hard work or some bullshit like that. And it's really like yeah, no, society you even has have put them a, in this position. You even have a point like at where uh, I think it's Bosch comes to the soup kitchen and is talking to uh, AJ Marv and basically saying, you know, like, hey, like you called into the police and said there are people missing. He's like, yeah, I did that two weeks ago. But like, you know, y'all didn't do anything until now. So who's missing? Somebody important, the mayor, the president. And that's when Bosch says his wife is missing. But, you know, you know Marv, AJ has kind of seen that, like, the police won't really act until something is happening to someone higher up in the, like, I guess the mm. economic food chain. 
there, and he's very aware of it. Yeah, it weirdly, I we said in our Roadhouse episode a few weeks ago that there's a lot of movies like this where with the directors or the show, not show, but the screenwriters aren't really necessarily trying to say anything, and it's just funny to read into what they're saying by accident. But I actually kind of think some of the... Uh, I, I won't even go so far as to call it messaging, but some of what they're trying to show us about New York and about homelessness is kind of intentional, weirdly enough. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're, the situation of the homeless people in this movie, it, it, it's portrayed as, like, a thing that is being done to them as opposed to, like... A thing that is their fault, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and is is the is the president line an Escape from New York reference? Is that what they're doing here? Uh, Escape from New York came out three years before this, so it feels like it could have been. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe a crossover. I mean, I could see Chuds appearing in Escape from New York. Like it, it isn't it isn't a stretch from like that movie. So no. <laughs> we see a lot of sort of clues being dropped as is something going on uh, i mean we know what's going on we saw like the monster hand reach out and grab the lady at the beginning of the movie like we know what's coming but uh george the photographer uh ends up meeting with someone that he thought had gone missing but she actually just ended up getting arrested because she was she tried to steal a cop's gun um because like the the homeless population is like trying to arm themselves against uh whatever is taking them right Mm -hmm. uh so he starts kind of getting clues by getting led down into the sewers and beating people who have been attacked by chuds right but they are so freaked out they can't really describe what's happening and at the same time uh bosh and uh marv are doing some of their own investigation in into the sewers and they find like all sorts of uh, like radiation detection stuff and like uh, a a ski boot looking thing that <laughs> I guess is does that like protect from Park, you know about radiation. Well, it's, it's supposed to be part of their hazmat suits because like you kind of see them later on wearing the like the, the Teflon uh, white suits with like mm-hmm. the full face helmets on. And I'm pretty I think like you find one of the dead EPA guys later in the movie, like with those boots on, um, they are literally just a plastic ski boot and are going to do fuck all against radiation. <laughs> but <laughs> it's something, I guess. <laughs> I think the helmets are actually hollowed out CRT TVs too. They I'm look a lot sure, like, like that. I had that television <laughs> in my house in the mid nineties. <laughs> I could, yeah, I could see that. Cause like, I, don't, I, I love it when movies use, like, everyday objects and, like, paint them silver and kind of turn them into something kind of different. You know, like, Star Wars had, like, a the bunch Gillette of razor. stuff that... Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Gillette That's Razor. A, yeah, those are really cool details to me. Uh, when they pull it off, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. they didn't quite pull it off with the ski boot in this, right? Because you can look at it as, like, That's not. that's not a hazmat suit <laughs> at all. Uh, it does kind of tie in though with that sort of like, you know, this was when did uh, two thousand one A Space Odyssey come out? Two thousand one, dude. That's why it's called that. <laughs> but it, it kind of ties in with that sort of eighties trying to seem like a little like ahead of their time vibe of the like sleek, like hard plastic, hard metal, you know, science outfits. You know, the, the helmet did kind of remind me of the space helmet in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Just that, like, kind of very narrow, not bulky, sleek design. And I think that's what they're going for with this. So Marvin Bosch, uh, with their, their findings, they end up in a meeting with, uh, I believe, like, the NPA and also a man from the Nuclear uh, Regulatory Commission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh sort of saying like hey we know that there's been uh like an epa probe into the sewers that's apparently like a yearly thing uh just to make sure that things are okay in new york city like makes sense but apparently the probe has been there longer than expected something fishy is going on they're finding these like geiger counters and ski boots everywhere um and on top of that people are missing 
Uh, and I think by this point, a uh, young girl has uh, had her like father or uncle like killed in front of her by a chud. In the most and, like, emotionless like acting ever. <laughs> well, she's she's scarred, you know. You know it's a child <laughs> actor. It's. Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was. You know. <laughs> you would be in shock too if your grandfather was eaten by a cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Yeah, but I'd probably right. at least like scream first and not just stare at a wall with a blank expression the entire time. I could see as a director being like, "Let's just have this like get on screen for as short a time as possible. It's too much of a pain in the ass to have them act." But yeah, so they have they're sort of connecting the dots, and like it's honestly a bit of a leap when they're like, "We think there's a monster," right? But um, when they bring that up to the uh like epa people uh they seem a little like uh sketched out by it especially like the nuclear uh, regulatory commission guy is like yeah, he clearly knows something right mm-hmm. and on top of that uh bosch and marv have like taken the uh photos from george right um not exactly. How do they end up even like knowing about the guy? Because like George is honestly barely in this movie for being like what seems like the protagonist. They know that George has taken photos of the undergrounders, and so they go to his apartment to see if he's heard any, like if he's spoken to them any time recently, because he knows that like they, he's taken photos of the bag lady and uh, Victor and Hugo and all the people who live underground that come to Marv's soup kitchen. So they go to his apartment, but he's not there. So Marv picks the lock with a pocket knife, which I guess is something you can do. And they steal the photos of Victor's like half eaten leg. You can pick a lock with a pocket knife, by the way. Oh, all right. (laughs) Anyways. But yeah, it is funny that, that, that in this movie, like he's a better thief. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that so at this point when the uh when Marv and with the Rev and Bosch are starting to dig into the conspiracy, right? This is also when uh George realizing his pictures have been stolen, he's having these weird encounters with this Murphy guy who did I I don't know that they ever like explained who this character is. He seems like he's supposed to be like a cia fbi type with some sunglasses uh, he's, no, like he's a the freelance. freelance reporter he's the one who comes to the police oh, station yeah, at the beginning i'm sorry and comes to like bosh and says like hey you know something that's going on like you want to give me a tip mm-hmm. that's right okay i got i got his uh his job mixed up with the the dude that follows marv around later but we'll get we'll get back to that <laughs> trust me. yeah the the reporter only exists to like keep george in the story I guess, and to die at some point. Yeah, he's essentially <laughs> just an agent to get George back down into the underground. Mm-hmm. Because, like, honestly, once George has taken the pictures, he doesn't need to be in this movie anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, he could be gone. Um, although, if they did remove him, we would miss out on, like, a really awesome scene with Lauren later on. So, True. two really awesome scenes with Lauren. Uh, so... Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah. So, uh, in their meeting with the... Uh, I can't, I keep saying, like, jumping between, like, Nuclear Regulatory Commission and uh, the EPA. I'm not sure. It seems like maybe a, a group of the guys. But... I think both of them were there. The The guy who is the NRC guy kind of takes over as the face mm-hmm. of this. At this point, the EPA guys kind of get phased out. Gotcha. So the NRC guy, uh, they end up uh, admitting that they have been trying to move like uh, radioactive material out of New York City. Um, But they uh, like aren't able to do it because they're trying to hide the fact that like the material is already in the city and uh, but their proposition is like to move it uh, through the city. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That they've been secretly dumping radioactive waste underneath the most populous city in the United States, you know, normal (laughs) stuff. Uh, (laughs) So they get in an argument. Uh, Marv is a badass here and is like uh, calling him out and everything. Uh, and the uh, NRC guy, uh, like, kind of, or like Marv, like, throws his stuff, or somehow his file gets spilled. And that's where they find out uh, 
uh, about the uh, the Chud program. <laughs> and uh, this is where the NRC guy, his name is Wilson, by the way, uh, where uh, Wilson, Wilson first <laughs> first gives us the name the uh, definition of Chud cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers um so we kind of have like government confirmation that there are monsters underneath new york city right because right, they said they um, he, they killed one it's like the call that they have one dead mm-hmm. it's uh and then they all go see it right <laughs> which um i guess kind of brings me to something that uh, i want to talk about which is uh how do you present a monster in your monster movie and i think this uh film actually does a lot right in that sense um there are a few missteps but i think those can be mostly attributed to like uh like aren't don't have as much to do with like the monster itself and or maybe a lot of it is like budget related um because like the monster suit is pretty good but not the best right Mm -hmm. could be a lot better um, and if you have a movie with a monster suit that could be better, what you have to do is never show people the whole suit or you have to like sort of obscure what people are seeing or at least till the very end. Right. Like, cause once you see it, it stops being scary the second time. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- they end up sort of breaking this rule later, but, uh, for like the first, uh, half or first, uh, two thirds of the movie, they actually, uh, handle it really well by only showing you like parts of the monster i thought they did a really good job in the scene where like they're looking at a dead one in their like hazmat suits and it's like a brightly lit room right and like how do we still make this sort of feel creepy and they solve that by like you only see the monster through the like reflection of his hazmat suit right mm-hmm. which is like a much better way if you have a shitty looking prop to like <laughs> still kind of had that believability it, it really sure. kind of pulls that kind of the, the primal fear that lovecraft plays on of like the fear of the unknown like since mm-hmm. you you don't know what you're dealing with other than like you see its hand or you, you can kind of make out like its teeth and some of its facial features in the reflection mm-hmm. it kind of lets your imagination take hold of what the rest of it is i i think their one mistake to this point is the scene where the chud eats that girl's grandfather oh yeah show you do see it. um and that's you know we as humans identify other humanoids by their face so at that point it's like we we have a mental picture of what it looks like despite not seeing the whole body yeah but the autopsy scene i think i do think is well done yeah and that's kind of the the frustrating thing about chud is that like for every really positive thing it does there's like another sort of like misstep or like negative that it feels like uh they like wouldn't be that hard to take out of the movie and that like really ended up hurting like the impact of it right for sure yeah um then going to the the p this like kind of the first point i want to make about ppe in this movie uh, we kind of talked about earlier with the ski boots so when they come to see the body, you know, the the scientist who's only in like two scenes plays up like, hey, you have to put on these hazmat suits to go in here. And like they have all the radiation symbols and biohazard symbols everywhere. They put on their hazmat suits to look at it. But then when they come out, there is no decontamination process. And then mm-hmm. they both just take off their helmets and like put them under their arm and sit there <laughs> in their like what is probably an irradiated suit now since these monsters clearly put off a hell of a lot of radiation based on the Geiger counters and just kind of chilling it, which is not what you're supposed to do ever with a contaminated hazmat suit. <laughs> you know, I didn't catch that, but yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Cause, uh, yeah, I feel like now you see in movies more like they do go through some sort of like misty room, you know, yeah, they like really they play up the decontamination, everything. but the, that yeah. is closer to kind of like what you're supposed to do. In all reality, it's not like a misty room. It's usually some guy there with like a pump sprayer with either like chlorine or some sort of decontaminant that they spray you down with. After this EPA meeting, and we've we've met, but we've we've we we everyone knows that chuds are a thing now, other than George and Lauren. Uh, and we have, uh, they send a, a, someone to tail Marv, right? Because he threatens to go to the press. <laughs> yes. 
and uh, his the guy tailing him <laughs> is a standout character. I don't know his name. I don't think you ever but, get his uh, name. You don't. And he, he only really does like two things in the whole movie, but they're like incredibly memorable. Uh, the first thing is when Marv goes to a payphone and like puts in his quarter, the uh, the tail like runs up, uh, hits the like coin return button, and takes the <laughs> takes the quarter and just eats it in front of him, <laughs> <laughs> like staring him down. It's uh, it's it, it. I mean, like I I wouldn't know what to do, and like Marv doesn't either. They're just like <laughs> he's just standing there. <laughs> maybe my favorite scene in the entire movie yeah. he's also a very interesting tale because like the first tale you see that follows george and the bag lady from the police station is kind of like wearing like average button down and pants walking through the streets in new york but this guy is in like a designer lacoste shirt with like designer sunglasses on and slick back hair walking down these mm. really rough streets of new york so he sticks out like a sore thumb too it's like it's yeah, a he's... really bad tale, honestly. Yes, <laughs> he wants. I mean, he's not shy, right? He True. Like Eight a quarter in front of him. <laughs> but um, and the other thing he does is uh, kill a homeless man. <laughs> that's the other. That's the other thing he does, like later in the movie, right? Uh, yeah. Where, so I, I guess we need to go into like the the NRC guy's like plan or whatever. Like he he wants to uh, gas all of the chuds uh and like just like fill the sewers of new york city with gas which is like the dumbest idea yeah. imaginable yeah. and it's not even like he's trying to fill them with like nitrogen or an inert gas to try to choke them out he's filling them with the city's natural gas lines <laughs> yes like he's literally like there is no way this plan doesn't blow up new york city <laughs> Well, they even bring that up with him, and they're like, you're going to blow up the entirety of the city. He goes, oh, no, just a section. And it's like... <laughs> it I also mean, doesn't even make sense in terms of, like, killing the chuds, right, if that's the goal. Because what what they say is they're like, oh, it's going to, like, drive them out onto the streets, right? And he says, it's fine, we just have to cover the two sewer manholes they can get out of. Which they do, but also, like, sewer manholes have... Vents, you know, vents. Yeah, to vent gas, and they don't block the vents. They just park a truck on top of them. (laughs) Also, we've seen multiple other exits to these tunnels, so we know there's other ways they can get out. This is um, one of many plot holes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, we did. We did almost skip though. The uh, the NRC head decides he's going to lead another epa expedition down into the sewers to prove that there are no other chuds before coming up with the gas plan while bosh though says that's stupid because there's other ones so i'm going to send down a team of new york city cops with flamethrowers because i guess cops have that on their budget now too listen the militarization of our police force is a serious problem and (laughs) i think that maybe our police officers don't need to have flamethrowers and that you know like i understand the fear of a chud threat in every city right and we need to be prepared for that but i think we should at least have them be forced to lock their uh flamethrowers in the trunk of their car as opposed to having them on their person (laughs) Uh, exactly that'd be a good kind of incremental step you know i think a country that can afford to give every cop a flamethrower can afford to give every epa person a hazmat suit that doesn't use a hollowed out crt for a helmet. <laughs> oh yeah this was the other scene where i saw a huge glaring issue with their ppe and it's that first the epa guy going down the ladder his white uh, suit that he has on isn't actually like buttoned up around his neck. It's like just a wide <laughs> open collar showing his bare neck. It's hot down there. And then when they get down there and they come across the cops, the first cop they see doesn't even have his gas mask on yet and like says something into his walkie talkie and then puts his mask on. So we have all this build up, but this ended up being like the most disappointing scene in the movie to me. Yeah. Uh, oh, I disagree with this, but I'll let you go first, and then we'll <laughs> then we'll get into this. Because they set up all the flamethrowers, right? And then 
you don't get to see them flamethrower anything. Yeah, they just it's start just shooting like, them. <laughs> they start shooting them at nothing, and then they cut to, like, a TV... Or, like, yeah, like a, a recording of what's going on, and all we see is, like, some fire on the screen, and that's, like, nothing. And, like, every B-movie in the world, especially, like, 80s, 90s era B-movies, has a guy lit on fire in it. It's, like, a common thing, because at stunt school, they always teach you how to do the, like, light a guy on fire trick, right? <laughs> So every B-movie ever has a guy lit on fire. It's a thing. And they don't even do it in Chud. It's so infuriating. And like when they're watching the monitors, they're even like, look, there, they're in the flames. And then like they never actually go back to the feed to show you anything in the flames. Like you you really just see fire and like the silhouettes of the police officers, and then the camera cuts out. Yeah. Okay, here's here's my counterpoint on this, right? This scene is what the whole movie should have been to this point, right? Because we talked about the suspense of not showing the monster too much until you kind of get to the, the climax of the monster movie, right? And the other thing that this movie does really well, like we said, set design. The set design of underground New York is really creepy. It's, you know, it's grimy, it's dark, there's these, like, claustrophobic tunnels, and you just get this feeling of the weight of the city above you. It's a, it's a weirdly well-done and creepy, unsettling thing about this movie, and maybe that's just because I'm, you know, found out I was claustrophobic in the middle of a spelunking field trip when I was 15, but, you know, <laughs> that's besides the point. It's creepy. <laughs> or at least I think it's creepy, right? So if you haven't actually seen the monsters do anything to this point but you know people are disappearing maybe you've you know at most like seen a hand or something and you you have this confrontational scene or if you just if you don't know what they're capable of if all we've seen is like the mangled body that's getting the autopsy you have this scene with these guys with freaking flamethrowers just walking into the dark shooting the flamethrowers and then as the cameras fizzle out they just kind of like fade into the dark and they're gone that could be a creepy, suspenseful, thriller moment, but because of everything else has already happened in the movie at, to this point, it just doesn't really work. If they had yeah. done the rest of the movie like that, it could have been a legit thriller when really it's just like kind of a dumb B-movie. Yeah, like I, I know at some point you do find out in the movie that like all of those men did die. Like I think Marv and George come across all their bodies. They find a severed head, yeah. Yeah, and... It's just like, if there hadn't been everything else happening in the movie already, then yeah, I do agree that could have been a suspenseful a suspenseful scene. But because of everything else going on, it just kind of fizzled. Yeah. And it I, really, I it like... should have been the first scene instead of Bosch's wife getting grabbed from the sewer. It should have mm -hmm. been like, you know, give us, give us some kind of, because we know that there's going to be some kind of government conspiracy in this movie just as soon as they start talking about like there's monsters in the sewers, right? So just give us this shot of, you know, cut out the fact that the flamethrower guys are cops, make them part of the EPA team. Like, we know the EPA is trying to deal with something in the sewer, and this is your suspenseful setup of, we just see nothing but these dudes with freaking flamethrowers disappearing <laughs> into the dark. That's cool, right? I don't know. I, I, I understand the other side of the coin here that I, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm right, but this is, this is how I saw the scene was like man they could have like done so much more with this movie if they did more like this i think what's happening is chud is sort of like riding a line that it shouldn't be riding right of like it could have gone into like a direction of being like a a, a genuinely good uh like thriller or it could have gone into the direction of like campy fun creature feature uh like uh, like b-movie territory right mm -hmm. and it tries to like shoot the gap between those two and it just ends up being a worse version of both of those movies i think right? yeah i think that's a good take because i was looking for like uh you know a lot of like <clears throat> i was looking for like a lot of like gross out prosthetics or like a guy on fire and like fun stuff memorable lines you know i wanted marv to like say a one-liner before he like 
lit uh chud on fire you know uh like and i i think what made me mad about the flamethrower scene is that it seemed like they were setting it up for like our characters to find those flamethrowers again later mm-hmm. in which case it would be okay to not show them lighting something on fire because then you can have it later in the climax of your film right but they never address the flamethrowers again so yeah i i feel like it's just sort of kind of trying to ride a line that it doesn't make sense to do right yeah but then like even after that scene too like instead of they're kind of adding that suspense of like bosh like screaming over the radio or something like trying to get in touch and be like oh my god they're dead they just it just cuts to them like in an office they've just kind of moved on with their lives like oh these like six guys are all dead down in the sewers from something that could overcome flamethrowers but oh well yeah like there's very little emotion involved with that (laughs) so the rest of the movie is just sort of a series of like scenes of people dealing with the chuds attacking them right um so we have the uh like the reporter gets into contact with uh george and like ends up like bringing him down into the sewers the reporter gets eaten so now george knows that like chuds exist right Mm -hmm. so he's running around the sewers and he ends up like hooking up with like marv at some point oh yeah he, um, he finds he finds victor his friend who got bit like transformed into a chud partially mm, yeah so he kills victor and then the bag lady shows up and takes his gun and tries to kill him and then marv suddenly comes to the rescue and gently pushes bag lady off screen and we never see her again he put. He literally pushes her out of the movie, <laughs> like just fizzled into the ether. There, there is no the resolution. <laughs> She's just gone. Yeah, it is perhaps like the worst, like edited and like shot scene in the movie yeah. of, which is disappointing because right up until that moment, it was a it was a really well done scene, right? Yeah, it, it was like an they intense have... scene with Victor and George you know, fighting, yeah. and then he kills him, and then you just get this, you killed my brother. Bye. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's, like, one of the scarier scenes in the movie, and, like, the, uh, one of the strongest parts of Chud, to me, is a lot of the, like, prosthetics and, like, dead bodies that you see lying around, and then this, you see, like, a dude that's been, like, cut in half by Chuds, or, like, half-eaten or whatever, and his guts are spilling out, and later on they find, like, the uh, remains of like the camera crew and the flamethrower guys and like it's genuinely disgusting and they, they find um uh like bosh finds his own wife's head and it's like genuinely shocking horrifying that was you know disturbing. like this movie had real potential to be like a scary film <laughs> it just mm-hmm. like kind of missed on the execution there but uh especially the execution of just pushing the bag lady out of frame and out of the movie <laughs> I feel like the around this point, too, is when the lighting gets worse in the underground. It's very strange. I don't know if it's like a budget constraint thing of just like they, you know, blew their wad on good dark scenes early on with the introduction of the underground. But most of the scenes from just around before this point when they're kind of exploring when Marv and George are wandering around underground and then the rest of them. You could almost just like see the single spotlight on the characters lighting the setup and it's just very strange because obviously like this is not what an underground tunnel would look like and i know they have to have some kind of light down there but it that single spotlight it just it doesn't look right at all it's not even close mm-hmm. yeah and then during all this though down in the sewers we also get to see uh very briefly john goodman in this film that's right dude they peed on your fucking rug as a uh, pervy cop at a di- New York City diner, like, late at night. Uh, he just kind of, like, shows up with his buddy and starts awkwardly hitting on the waitress. When suddenly two chuds emerge from the sewer and start assaulting the diner, kind of just, like, out in the open in New York, and slaughter everyone inside. But then nobody actually sees it happen until the aftermath when there's blood everywhere. 
We don't know what happened to those two chuds either, right? Are no. they just on the loose well, in New York? Well, no, we see, like, the blood trail leading from the cafe, like, back into the manhole, where you see, like, the EPA guys sticking their Geiger counters down there. That's right. Okay. Oh, I didn't pick up on that, that they went back in the sewers. But it's still just a, like, you know, they're shattering the windows, people are screaming, and the cops, I guess, somehow don't pull their guns and start shooting at these cannibalistic monsters. Yeah, like, so this sort of establishes that, like, the Chuds can get out. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to see more uh, of that action when uh, Lauren is dealing with them. Uh, she, like, finds the dead dog from the beginning of the movie in her basement somehow, because their basement, we, Charlie talked about it, like, connects with <laughs> the underground <laughs> in New York or whatever. Um, and we get, like, a weird psycho reference scene. Oh, yeah. Where she's, like, they have a scene of her in the shower and are, like, threatening for, uh, like, a chud to come out of the basement to come get her. But they kind of pull a fast one on you and have, her, like, uh, like the drain clog. And she, like, goes to unclog the drain and then just blood starts shooting out of it. <laughs> Which, like, it, I, I didn't expect that at all, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. And it does kind of like show the blood all over the shower, like almost reminiscent of the like psycho drain. I, I didn't really make that connection until you brought that up. I unfortunately expected it because that shot was in the trailer, which is a terrible mistake. Oh yeah, the part it was. Made the trailer. But she gets over it real fast. Yeah, she's just fine. <laughs> she's just like drying herself off in the next scene and like, she's fine. Well, she has to get ready to fight the next chud, which is like kind of cements her as like the secret badass of this movie for sure uh, because she uh like the chud that breaks into her room after she tries to like barricade it up and stuff and uh didn't then she pulls out a sword because apparently they have like a like decorative swords <laughs> in their apartment um george is a sword guy i guess um but uh, it's, it's an effective sword because she uses the sword to chop off the head of the chud that is that is chasing her. Yeah, the chud's um, neck kind of does like the thing sort of stuff. It starts like stretching out and twisting weirdly. So I guess yeah, they that have, surprised like, me. A that weird I, superpower too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the chuds were bendy. I thought they were kind of more like a static thing. But but then when she cuts its strange. head off. The severed head still, like, bites her ankle. Okay, mm-hmm. so speaking of the bite and the sword... Yes. I, I would like to talk for a moment about Chekhov's gun in this movie. Because, <laughs> okay, if, if any, for anybody who's not familiar, Chekhov's gun, it's a literary storytelling principle of... If in the first act the author describes a gun on the wall, in the third act it must go off, right? Simple as that. Yeah. So I wrote down at one point earlier on in my notes in a scene in the apartment i was like why do they have swords on the wall like what kind of weird decoration <laughs> is this right they're there it's it's you know it's there it's set up and it is very much a Chekhov's gun of there are swords hanging on the wall and later on lauren pulls a sword off the wall to decapitate a chud and it's sick but this movie does some weird things with this concept that just leave you all these unsatisfying conclusions right like, like the what flame we talked throwers. about with the flamethrowers yes we're thinking, oh, you know, those flamethrowers, they're down there somewhere, right? And we're going to have an action scene of George and Marv flamethrowering chuds, and it's going to be badass. But no, that just never happens. The flamethrowers never come up again. And the one that bothered me the most, not even because of the conclusion that we got, but because we got no conclusion or resolution or discussion of this whatsoever, and we'll, we'll get into this more with the finale of the film, is the bite from the chud head right because we <laughs> talked earlier about the scene where george finds uh I, victor is his name victor, right yeah, victor um who has been bitten by the chud on the thigh and now he is becoming a chud and i thought the implication here is that maybe there's like a zombie bite thing where like we know the radiation can do it and he's down there but maybe the bite can transfer it mm. and he's becoming a chud because of the bite and then the chud head bites lauren on the ankle and by the way lauren is pregnant at this point in the movie. So I'm sitting here and I wrote several times in my notes. I was like, there's going to be some like 
super messed up gore movie ending where like it cuts to nine months later and she gives birth to a baby chud because she just got like kind of bit and it just there there is no consequence of this scene (laughs) it just never comes up again yeah when she got bit i was like are they gonna go there because they set up the pregnancy yeah i was like is this really what this movie is gonna do like I guess they didn't have the guts, or I don't know if like, they they forgot. I don't know if like they forgot, or if they're almost going for that kind of like very poorly, but kind of going for like the Inception style ending, where like you know he spins the top, and then the movie cuts like when the top wobbles, but you never actually know if it falls or not. And so I don't know if they were trying to go for that like you're supposed to sit there and kind of be left with that like lasting suspense of well what's gonna happen, but. Yeah. They did not right? do if a good gonna, job of pulling that off. <laughs> if you're going to do that, you have to do the shot at the end of, like, you know, four months later, visibly pregnant Lauren and George in the park enjoying a picnic or some shit, and then, like, camera pans underground, and, like, you hear a growl or something, right, to give you, like, a they're still out there thought, and now you're thinking about it. But, I nope, it just kind of ended. Yeah. There's, like... There's like an hour of this movie left to tell at the end, like after the finale of this, right? Yeah. Because I guess I guess we can get right to it. Um, but so as all this is going on, uh, the NRC guy Wilson is like executing his like gas plan, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Marv and George uh, are trying to escape the sewers and. Uh, Bosch is trying to help them get out, right? Um, they managed to communicate to Bosch through the uh, cameras that the camera crew left. They used the cameras, but not the flamethrowers. Really frustrating. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the uh, so Bosch knows about the the real conspiracy that's going on. That the Chud program, the real name for it is contamination contamination hazard urban disposal. Uh, it turns out it like, I, I guess like the NRC guy, like made up the other definition of Chud is off the top of his head, which is pretty, because the file smart. he had for the Chud program was actually for like the plans to dump radioactive waste and materials underneath New York city. Yeah. It's like the NRC story in the entire cover is just, well, like I said, a cover for the fact that he is just some guy from some organization that is dumping toxic waste under the city. Mm. Yes. Uh, what? Yes. Yeah, we don't know why. Um, but he doesn't want this information to get out. Uh, Bosch tells him that, like, he knows, right? So, uh, the, uh, so Wilson... Uh, shoots him just as Bosch is about to uh, like get Marvin George out of the sewers, right? Uh, and so then we have like our showdown with uh, George, who's like never met Wilson before, I don't think, and uh, Marv, who like knows him. And some for some reason, Wilson decides that like his best course of action, even though like he has a gun, is to like get in a van and try to run everyone over <laughs> right mm-hmm. and uh so we have marv our hero uh picks up a gun and uh shoots him before he can run them over it's the gun from the bag lady i just now realized that we do get the resolution uh, of the gun from the bag lady we never see him pick it up we just see him push her but it's the same I thought it gun. Was Bosch's gun. No, because Bosch has the silver revolver. Or is it Bosch's gun? Could be. Well, no, I think it makes sense that it's the bag lady's gun, right? That would make sense, but either way, I mean, if we're debating this, the movie does not make it clear enough for it to be like a meaningful <laughs> use of the prop. Right? Sure, it was cool. Like it was exciting to see Marv from Home Alone, like <laughs> being the hero. <laughs> this is true. Um, like I enjoyed the scene, and like. It was, we talked about this before we ever, like, recorded. Uh, the uh, van explodes when, like, the wheel dips into the sewer, which at first they're like, oh, they're doing the thing where cars just blow up in action movies, right? And it's like the grand finale. But we know that they've been pumping natural gas 
through the sewer systems for like the past 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of sort of doesn't, doesn't totally make sense, but it sort of checks out through like the logic of the of the movie itself that the car that like kind of fell into the sewer, a spark could have gone off and blown it up. The the counter to that logic though is that if that had happened, if that was why that blew up, that means there's enough natural gas settled in those tunnels for that flame to travel through the tunnel and just detonate all the gas underneath New York City. Um, <laughs> That'd be so. It like the car blows up, it zooms out, and the whole city just <laughs> That's what we should have had. They almost it would have wrapped up more than this ending did yeah. because it, it, after the car blows up. The movie is over. <laughs> yeah, like so you get strange. the touching ending of like Marv holding Bosch as he dies and being like, we did it. Like we solved the case. And like Lauren runs up and kisses George and that then it's over. That's it. No post credits. Nothing. All we of the chuds are alive. Yeah, like we <laughs> heard them coming up the ladder behind Marv and George as they were like climbing out. And so we have no resolution as to whether or not they actually choked in the gas. <laughs> right? And, like, they they can get out. They literally did yeah. get out and invade Lauren and George's apartment. Right? Yeah. Like, are, are we not supposed to assume that the rest of them just escape? I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And you'd think, like, okay, maybe Chud 2 will resolve these things. Right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be about... Like Lauren, maybe like you know she got bit and spreads it more. Maybe have to like finish cleaning up, uh, like New York City. But and I haven't seen Judd too. But I looked um looked up some stuff about it, and it seems to be about a totally unrelated event. Yeah, the, the Chud like, and Chud too does not even look like these Chuds. He looks Bud the Chud is what he is called. He looks Bud like a, the Chud. He looks like a budget vampire. <laughs> They, you, you thought they couldn't have a better title than just Chud. Yep. No, 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 no. <laughs> Chud, Chud two. 2, Bud the Chud. <laughs> <laughs> the other kind of conclusion to this movie, though, that I thought about is um, Marv and George are destined to die a slow and painful death from acute radiation sickness, though, because, like... They're literally, like, down there leaning on all of the radioactive barrels and everything. And, like, I I just finished reading Midnight in Chernobyl, which kind of gets really in-depth about, like, what happened with Chernobyl and what all that radioactive waste did to everybody who was close to it. And it is not a pleasant way to go. Like, they are are destined to perish (laughs) within the next couple of weeks. If the Chernobyl miniseries... Is anything to uh, like represent what will happen to these guys? It's not going to be a good time. <laughs> oh yeah, the the guys that oh it shows in the hospital in Moscow in that one episode. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Yeah, and that also means like Lauren's going to die because she like hugged him. But also, clearly, radiation doesn't work that way in this universe because it like with how the fact those Geiger counters were maxing out the amount of radiation that would like be in the subway tunnels in New York. The cancer rate would be absurd. <laughs> That's true. It doesn't have to follow the logic of our own universe. We it just has to have internal consistency with the rest of the Chud cinematic universe. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that matters. Marvel could learn a thing or two from Chud. That's all I'm saying. We can all <laughs> learn a thing or two from Chud. Um, so that's that's the movie. Uh, I guess oh, I kind of want to talk about why I so I chose this movie this time around. Uh, and kind of why, what led me to choose it. And it was mostly out of curiosity over, like, the origin of the word Chud. Uh, because Chud, some of you might have, like, heard it used the way it's kind of used now as, like, an insult to specific, more specific, like, specifically, like, white nationalist types or, like, far-right people, Right kind of been popularized by like Chapo Trap House uh like you see it in sort of like lefty circles right mm-hmm. uh and I thought like that was the you know origin of it being used as an insult but apparently according to Urban Dictionary uh it is the first recorded in, uh, incident of Chud being used as an insult 
is in Clerks 2. Someone is called an ugly chud. And yeah, now we know what the origin is of that term in a, a pretty okay 80s horror movie. Yeah, I think that's a... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't say that the uh, people that the term is used to describe deserve any better than this movie. Yeah, like, could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot better. I don't know. This one, I'm I'm glad I watched it, you know? I feel like... It was better than my advice. (laughs) <laughs> is that yeah. going to be like our bottom line for now until we find something even worse at least pretty much so right now we have we have miami vice at the bottom and there will be blood at the very top roadhouse much, is a yeah. far better movie than there will be blood <laughs> <How dare you? laughs> there will be blood is down it's it's in the middle with chud <laughs> there, there will be blood needed in more bar fights more exactly really, like, yeah. more bar fights and more flamethrowers Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Sam Elliott. Or did I just date this episode? Oh, God. <laughs> they know we don't record it the same day we release it now. I can't edit that fast. <laughs> <laughs> so just to uh, remind everyone, we don't really do numerical reviews here. We think it's more helpful to just say whether we would recommend a movie and if so, who we would recommend it to. So, Bark, uh, would you recommend people watch Chud? Uh, um, yes, but... I wouldn't say you have to go out of your way to watch this movie. If it like kind of comes up on recommendations or something, I think it's on Amazon Prime currently. If it if it pops up, sure. But it's definitely not one you need to seek out. And will? Sure, yeah, watch it if you want to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I, don't, I I I was hoping there's some really like fun scenes in it, so I think like if you I don't think anyone would be, like, mad they watched Chud, you know? Or, like, it doesn't feel like a waste of time by any stretch, right? No. Like, if it, you know what you're getting into when you're watching it, right? And, like, you can tell literally just by the, like, poster if this movie is going to be for you, right? Uh, if you're not interested in, like, a kind of a creature feature, like, 80s movie about gross New York City and gross monsters then like don't don't watch it why are you here you know like just uh yeah you know what chud's about i agree i think if you're the kind of person that enjoys low budget b and c movies then you know i right you already know this is this is something that's in your alley if you're the person that is just interested in movies as a concept then this is a good movie to watch because like we said there's a lot of things that like it it's close to being like a you know b movie diamond of the rough standout uh and it's also close to being like so bad that it's good but really it just it straddles a line somewhere in the middle there and if you are just if you're interested in b movies that toe that line well you know what you already know that so go ahead and watch this movie What a useful podcast. We have. <laughs> really, I don't, I don't know how to better recommend this movie. Right, like if, if, if you have heard of this movie, you probably already watched it, and if you haven't, then what? You're not going to watch it anyways, <laughs> unless yeah. you've heard about it in the you know political leftist irony podcasting context that we talked about. In which case, hey, if you're interested in finding out about the origin of the term check urban dictionary yeah. and then look at the poster of this movie or no or watch it ironically you know be be a little irony boy you know be yeah. like oh i just watched it because i i hate it and that's how i spend my time exactly. <laughs> or, or whatever you, know, you do i don't know you can learn more about your hobby of being ironic because this movie has lots of dramatic irony in it where the characters don't know what's going on but we do it's yeah. really great for the tension knowing what the monster looks like the entire movie. I think that it's a good movie for if you're doing like, I, I know back in cinema club at Tennessee, when I was a part of that, we would occasionally do like triple movie creature feature nights where we would just show like extremely campy movies. Like we never showed Chud, but it was movies like this. You know, one of the biggest ones we showed was house or house. And if you've never seen that, you should. Um, and I think it's a good movie for 
like that. That kind of like creature feature, sleep over, drink, have some popcorn. Mm. Good party movie. Yeah. 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 I support that. All right, there we go. We got it pegged now. Wait. Pegging Chad. <laughs> <laughs> There's our episode trailer right there. Just pegging. <laughs> we'll say a pegging truck. <laughs> Just over and over again. Okay. Well, on that lovely note, I think that about wraps it up for this week. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Jump Cuts Pod. We are on Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, still in the process of rolling out to more things. I've said Apple soon for like three weeks. Apple soon. It's coming. Uh, other than that, Will, where can the people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Will Posts Words, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Will Johnston, on YouTube, where I have even more movie content. And Park. You can find me on Instagram at Summer Hour Brewing, where I post things about beer and brewing and the industry I work in. And you can find me on Instagram at charlieb.writes, where I will tell you about my feelings, whether you want to hear about them or not. You can also look up my YouTube channel. It's called Page to Screen. It's about book to movie adaptations. I may or may not ever post there again. Who knows? But, you know, check it out just in case I do. That should just about wrap it up. Once again, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Will and Park are doing some fun things with those. If you like funny meme videos featuring obscure animes clipped into oscar-winning movies then you know go ahead check it out i'll make some variety i promise (laughs) (laughs) yeah thanks for listening be sure to leave a like subscribe review rating whatever you do on your chosen podcast app we will see you next thursday have a good week